Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to gather here today. We ask that you may be a blessing to us so that we may be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. $1.337 billion. That was the mega millions jackpot. Any of you play? Yeah, I'm sure some of you played. But unfortunately, none of you won because the winning ticket was sold in Illinois. But of course, that's not what that person gets. I wrote down the numbers just to make them right. Uh, If they take the cash payout, which is apparently the wiser thing to do, it's $780.5 million. Uh, That's a little less. But of course, Uncle Stam's got to get his cut, right? That's uh, $187.3 million. And then the state gets $38.6 million. And then the person's left with a paltry $554.6 million. I hope he can get by. But it's always got you thinking, what would you do if you won the Mega Millions jackpot? We've all dreamed about that, right? Um, and, and tried, you know, that, that wonder if we struck it rich one day. If, you know... We, we were shooting at some food and up through the ground came a bubbling pool. You know, what, what, would, our, what would happen to our lives? How would, how would our lives change? You know, what would you do first with the money that you have? You know, some people would, well, I'd pay everything off. I'd, I'd quit my job. I'd buy, I'd buy a big house and a big car. And, you know, it would be just incredible and I would get anything I wanted. And some people are like, well, I wouldn't change much at all. But, you know, everybody has an idea of what it would be like if they struck it rich. But most of us can't imagine being rich, can we? Well, no, we can imagine it. I actually kind of had the opportunity a couple weeks ago. Have any of you ever been on a cruise? I went on my first cruise a couple weeks ago, which, by the way, I discovered is cheaper than going to the beach, especially when you consider all the food and stuff that's covered. And, and so, so if you go on a cruise, you kind of feel like you're rich because you got people waiting on you hand and foot for everything. It's nice. You know, there, there's all this food, and I mean all this food. You know, you go to a restaurant, and, and, you know, here's the menu, and you can have whatever you want. You can have as many as you want. You know, oh, here are the entrees. Well, I want this entree and this entree. Boom. They bring it to you. It doesn't cost anything more, but money's not an object because you've already paid for it. And they, you got somebody in there cleaning your room every day. You get new towels, and not only do you get new towels, they make little animals out of them and put them on your bed. Uh, you know, you're laying out by the pool and they'll bring you drinks and, you know, they'll, they'll fan you if you want to. I mean, it, it's crazy how you just feel like you're rich. It, it's, it's such a great feeling. All you can do is relax, eat, drink, and be merry. That is the theme of the cruise. Sort of like the guy in today's gospel reading, right? We heard that parable that Jesus said. Um, there was a rich landowner whose, whose land produced abundantly abundantly uh, is more translated basically he had tons and tons abundantly is way more than he needed in fact he had it, it, it produced so abundantly that the current barns he had couldn't even hold all of the 
of the crops that he had. So he had to think. He said, you know, what am I going to do? I got it. I'm going to tear those barns down, and I'm going to build bigger ones so that I can keep all of my stuff in it. Not just the crops, but all of my stuff. And then I'm going to be able to sit back and, and say to myself, self, you're good for the rest of your life. Now, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds great, doesn't it? But strangely enough, this parable is known as the rich fool. Which is kind of confusing because what did he do that was so foolish? I mean, it would be more foolish today not to save up for your retirement, right? I mean, Social Security, for those of you who will get it, um, you know... It's not really enough to live on. You gotta save up along the way. You gotta amass wealth in order to, to survive, right? And, and so, what was he doing that, that was so foolish along the way? How does that make him a fool? Is it foolish? Well, that's kind of the question that, that we're left with here because you see, He had not just enough to survive, he had more than enough. He wasn't saving, he was hoarding. And here's the thing. As I went on this cruise, when you go on cruises, you don't just float on a boat the whole time. You stop in ports. You know, we went to Roatan and Cozumel. Roatan is in Honduras. It's a little island. Um, also known as Mahogany Bay because that's where much of the world's mahogany wood comes from. And so when you get off the boat, you're immediately greeted by all of these stores that basically the cruise lines build for you to go and shop at all of them. And they're nice and you get you know, some of the local stuff and it's great. But then you can go on excursions. You pay a little extra and you can go like zip lining, which that's crazy. Uh, we didn't do that. Um, you could have gone canoeing, you could have gone on a sailboat, paddle boarding, you could have gone to the beach and just enjoyed more of all you can eat, all you can drink stuff. Or what we chose to do is we got on a bus and went to the other side of the island and on the way there we stopped at the shops because, you know, hey, shopping. I had people with me that wanted to do that for some reason. And so that's what we did. And along the way, our guide was basically telling us about Roatan. And she welcomed us to paradise, and it was. It was beautiful, sort of. Um, but if that's paradise, you can count me out. Because it was engulfed in poverty. 80% of the income in Roatan is tourism. And most of that is from the cruise lines. Well, do you know what didn't happen for a year and a half through COVID? Cruises. They were so very excited because they had boats there this week. Because that's how their people made money. And if those boats weren't coming in, no money was coming in. And so if it wasn't poor before, which I'm sure that it was, it was even poorer now. And so these shops they took us to, you know the little mom and pop stands or stores that they have on the way to the beach here that look like they used to be open but aren't anymore? That's what their stores looked like that they took us to. It was a whole street of them. There was trash all along the way. We saw the schools, and we complained about what our sports fields looked like. Their schools were basically falling down, and oh, by the way, they weren't free. Children had to pay to go to them. 
not, and not just the private schools. They had to pay to go to public schools as well. They had a jail that they called their free hotel, um, which is a great phrase for a jail, by the way. Um, but what would happen is if you were convicted of anything short of murder, you would go there and spend 24 hours um, with no food, no water, uh, nothing but a dirt floor. And that was the punishment because that's all the, the nation could afford to keep you up. Um, and it was dirty and the roads were deplorable. Um, some of the houses were quite nice, but most of them were basically just things that they found to put together. And here I had been eating, drinking, relaxing, and being merry. And then we get off the boat and go into that. If I could sum up my trip to Rotan in one word, it would be depressing. Because that exists in the world too. The parable goes on where God appears to the rich man and says, You fool. This very night your life is being demanded you. And all of this stuff, whose will it be? In other words, there was no family to leave it to. All the things that he had hoarded would go to no one. It was wasted. He had all of this stuff, more than he ever needed. While there were people starving. And with no place to live. With no clothes. With nothing. And that is the reality of the world that we live in, isn't it? You know, people typically hate it when we talk about money in church, but I'll tell you why we do. There's a few reasons. Number one, Jesus talked about it. And actually, Jesus talked about money a lot. Um, the only thing he talked about more than money was love and the kingdom of God. And why would Jesus talk about that? Because money is a big part of our lives and God cares about our lives. And lastly, because we have an opportunity. You see, that man had an opportunity. He could be greedy or be a giver. He could hoard it or he could hand it out. He chose the former. He chose to be greedy. He, he chose to, to hoard on and, and grasp hold of everything he had instead of giving it away. He changed his life when he could have changed the world. And so that's the question that we have with our own finances. I realize that not many of us feel rich. But trust me, if you go to a place like Rotan, you realize how rich we really are. Even if you go to different places here in Lexington, you realize how much we have in comparison to others. Because if we really think about it, we all have an abundance. We have an abundance of something. We may, like I said, we may not feel like it because of all the things that we spend money on, but we do have an abundance. And we have an opportunity with that abundance. We can, we can be greedy or we can be givers. We can hoard it or we can hand it out. We can change our life or we can change the world. And we have an opportunity to change the world. This past week after got off the boat, promptly came here, and Deacon Deborah and I and seven youth went to, went to um, deep into Georgia, um, in Tallapoosa, Georgia, where Luther Ranch is, which, by the way, is a very nice place. But we drove an hour every day to Noonan, Georgia, 
to build a ramp for a woman that we never got to meet. We got to talk to her on the phone, but she couldn't come home because she couldn't get into her house. She had broken her leg badly. And it was hot and muddy, and there was poison ivy all throughout her bushes. And Deacon Deborah and I can attest to that, especially Deacon Deborah. Um, and we went there and did hard, grueling work, and it was wonderful. Lives were changed by this, and not just Miss Ona's life. Our lives were changed by being able to do that. And the reason we were, be able, to, we were able to do that was because of you. Because of your generosity. Because of, of what you donated made that possible. You see, giving money is not about, to the church, it, it's not about being able to keep the lights on or make sure that I can go on cruises to eat, drink, and be merry and relax. It, it's, it's not about that. We give because we have an opportunity to change lives. That's what we do. You know, um, when we give, we give portion of, of what we give goes off to the National Church, to the ELCA. And I promise you, we already have boots on the ground in Kentucky with disaster relief working on that flood right now. We have people throughout the country and the world who are delivering the good news of Jesus Christ. And not just the good news of Jesus Christ, but also goods and services around the world. We give portion that goes to our synod that helps open new churches in areas where the, the Lutheran word isn't. We, have, we give to, to Mission Lexington to help those who may be struggling this month and may need a little boost. We give to pay, yes, the mortgage, but that mortgage houses a preschool in which hundreds of kids every single day come and receive love and are raised up in the faith. Everything we give is an opportunity. And so what do we do about the money that we have? Because I think, maybe I'm being naive, but I think most people would like to give more. But the truth is we don't feel like we can. So here's what we need to do first. We need to understand where our money goes. I think most people... We see a, a balance of what we got. We whip out a card or write a check or whip out cash without any thought of where this money is going. And so we just hope at the end of the month there's enough left to cover and that's what we give. But the first thing we got to do is understand where our money's going. And the second thing we do is decide what we're going to do with the money that we have. Instead of letting it control us, we control it. We decide what we want to do with it. We decide whether or not we want to keep it or change the world with it. Whether we're going to be greedy or whether we're going to be givers. Whether we're going to hoard or hand out. Because, see, we do have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to enjoy the money we have. To feel the joy of helping others, of changing lives, of making a difference in the world. That's why we've been given what we've been given. That's why we have the abundance that we have. There are so many out, people out there that need help. There are people out there that need to hear the gospel. There are people out there who need to be learn, uh, learn of the faith. There are people who need to 
feel the love of Jesus Christ through the fellowship of believers. You and I have an opportunity to make that happen. We can let our money change us. Or we can change the world. Amen. Amen.